This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you think of Arizona, what comes to mind? Sprawling deserts or urban sprawl? The Grand Canyon or the mighty White Mountains? Hollywood has painted our state as a wild, uncivilized frontier filled with dangers and adventure. What is your name? Like the land I'm from, Arizona. Arizona? What else? Cold. Arizona cold. Fine state, fine pistol. Rugged landscapes are split by sharp mountains and dotted with scraggly brush and the sentinel of the desert, the saguaro cactus. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In today's episode, producer Kaylee Monahan explores the most famous symbol of Arizona and why it grows here. They are icons of the Sonoran Desert. You see them everywhere, from emoji icons to t-shirts, keychains, and coffee mugs. You can find representations of them all over the world. But they only grow here, in the Sonoran Desert. The mighty... Saguaro. 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 Saguaro cactus. Okay, so the name might be a bit of a mouthful for those outside the Southwest. But let's turn to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary for a pronunciation. Surely they can tell us how it's said. Sawara. Wait a minute. Sawara? That's not right either. But what's in a name anyways? A lot, actually. The term sawaro comes to us from Mexican Spanish, but it's not exactly a Spanish word. Some etymologists believe it might have originated from Upata, an Uteco-Aztecan language of Sonora, Mexico. Others say it may have come from the Yaqui, who are also part of the Uto-Aztecan language family. The term saguaro was first recorded in 1856, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. But what makes the saguaro unique goes beyond its name and its classic silhouette. It defines Arizona in a way few other symbols can. But why do they only grow here in our desert? The question sent me on a journey to Saguaro National Park outside of Tucson. I am Andy L. Fisher. Andy is the Chief Officer of Interpretation and Public Information, and she has been at Saguaro National Park for 10 years. Which is kind of unusual for a park ranger. Andy studied forestry as well as education. She now combines the two in her current position at the park. 
She was the perfect person to talk to about her question. Why do saguaros grow in the Sonoran Desert versus like growing in the Mojave Desert? Yeah, there's actually a really good explanation for that. Okay, so you're aware that North America has four different major desert systems. So Mojave is to the west of us in California. The um, Chihuahuan is to the east of us in Texas. And the north of us, we see the Great Basin Desert. North of us is too cold. Saguaros don't like freezing temperatures. They aren't going to grow up there. Over in the west... They get winter rain season. So when the cold fronts come through, they get those nice, gentle winter rains, and that's awesome. The saguaros need that. Over on the east side of us in Texas, they get those crashing, booming monsoon storms, and that's their primary water source. Well, saguaros also need that. So it turns out that the Sonoran Desert is the only geographic location that gets both the winter rains and the summer rains, and it's that bimodal rainfall that the saguaros need to thrive here in the Sonoran Desert, as well as not being so cold as the as north of us. It turns out the saguaro is uniquely adapted to its desert home. Everything from its roots to its skin is perfectly tailored to life in the Sonoran Desert. Ben Wilder has been the director of the University of Arizona's Desert Laboratory on Tumamak Hill since 2016. As a desert ecologist and botanist, he is an expert on what grows in our region. To understand why saguaros are unique to the Sonoran Desert, Ben said we must first understand what defines their habitat. So the Sonoran Desert is a region of biological unity that surrounds the Gulf of California. And so that includes pretty much the entirety of the Baja California Peninsula, kind of the just the bottom part of California and then as you get into the um, you know the western side of Arizona so you have the tip ahead of the Gulf of California and then the majority of so obviously southern Arizona and then the majority of Sonora itself the connection between the sea the Gulf of California and the land uh, is really again largely defines the Sonoran Desert um, but within that you have really interesting gradients gradients in seasonality of rainfall, uh, and gradients in amount of rainfall, and gradients of marine influence. So the saguaro is a much more of a terrestrial, continental species that uh, its habitat does not go in most of its range to the shores of the Gulf of California, nor does it occur in Baja California. So the saguaro cactus is very particular about where it lays down roots. And, speaking of roots, the saguaro has a shallow but wide root network, snaking outwards in the hunt for water rather than burrowing deep into the earth. In addition to widening its reach, the length of the roots help keep the cactus stable as it grows. Ben says the saguaro's roots are often as wide as the cactus is tall, thus creating a firm base to stabilize its towering height. The roots of the saguaro aren't their only adaptation. If you grew up in Arizona, like I did, you may have learned that saguaros breathe very, very slowly. It is one of the neatest things about desert plants, especially cactus. This is Andy again. So all plants take in oxygen and they release carbon dioxide just like you and I do, but they also take in carbon dioxide and they use that to build the sugars in their leaves and create structure. So they're not only taking 
in the gases um, that we know that they take in. They are also respiring uh, just like you and I do. Most plants do that gas exchange in their leaves. As you look around the Sonoran Desert, most of the plants around here have very, very, very tiny leaves. And mostly that is to make sure that when they open their leaves up to do that gas exchange, they're not losing a lot of moisture. During the day, the cactus keeps its cells tightly closed so no moisture can escape. Then at night, they reopen and bring in as much carbon dioxide as they can until the sun rises. This means that photosynthesis only happens for as long as their carbon dioxide supply lasts. Once it's gone, the cactus will essentially stop growing. You can think of it like a factory. The machinery can only run for as long as there's energy. After that, the lights turn off. So it's a very slow growth pattern, but it really keeps them from losing that moisture that if they had opened up during the day in the sun, it would be a lot harder for them to do that. So they've just taken that next step and just really elevated their game for holding their breath all day to make sure they don't lose moisture. This method of photosynthesizing, along with all the saguaro's unique adaptations, allows it to survive the extreme climate of the Sonoran Desert, from scorching summers to chilly winters. But I still had questions. Why do saguaros grow arms? How long can they live? Why do they grow tall and skinny instead of low to the ground with pads like a prickly pear? For that last question, it turns out it all has to do with sunscreen. Sort of. Here's U of A's Ben Wilder again. So when the sun is at its max, the solar max of the day, right above, you're like a pencil and you're avoiding the direct rays coming down on you. And so that's why, that's the main ad adaptive advantage. The cacti's spines also provide a form of sunshade too. Over the millennia of their evolution, cacti converted their leaves, which can easily lose moisture in the desert, into thick, fibrous spines. As for the arms, they begin to grow once the cactus is able to reproduce. So the, the saguaro can live, upper ends are just around 200, just a little bit above 200 years old. The way they grow through time is they, you know, they're tiny itty bitty little seedlings that you can't even really see unless you're looking really hard for them until they're several years old. Um, and then they grow relatively fast uh, and they don't start putting on their first arms until on average about 30 years of age which is just about the time they start to become reproductive as well. At that point, their upward growth starts to slow as they're putting more resources into putting more arms on, which increases their reproductive capacity. So the flowers are born on, the, in general, the tips of the arms. And so the more arm branches there are, the more flowering capacity there is, the more seeds you can produce, and the higher your reproductive capacity is. And once those arms are pretty established, 
then upward growth resumes and uh, much faster than that kind of 50-year interim it's putting on arms. And then that's when you get the behemoths, the really wonderful individuals that are big arms, really tall. In my search for saguaro answers, I also turned to Dr. Martin Wojciechowski, an evolutionary biologist at Arizona State University, and his specialty is plants. He had a rather unexpected answer to why saguaros only grow in the Sonoran Desert. That's actually a very good question. So this is one of those sort of circular uh, solutions, okay? Originally, the Sonoran Desert was defined largely by the distribution of saguaro. So, you know, it, it, it isn't like, why do you only find saguaros in the Sonoran Desert? It's because that's the way the Sonoran Desert was mapped. Dr. Martin has spent years studying the fossil record of Arizona's plant species and piecing together the botanical evolution of our desert. We've estimated that, you know, saguaro might have diverged from its closest relative, you know, its, its sister species, you know, maybe a million years ago or maybe a couple million years ago. What it did in those first 900,000 or 900,050 years, I don't know. But, it, you know, it, it, it's clear that because most of the sister species are in central and southern Mexico, that that lineage started somewhere in central or southern Mexico and has been migrating, evolving, adapting, you know, as it's moved north. Another cool thing about Dr. Martin is that he is one of the scientists involved in decoding the saguaro's genome in 2017. The primary plant that we use as our source of material to extract DNA was up on Tumamac Hill in Tucson. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a protected area. It's a research laboratory there. And we sampled it in 2014. Ben Wilder showed me that very saguaro. So here, this is what was identified as SGP5, Saguaro Genome Project 5, um, a towering, beautiful individual. It uh, toppled over um, not long after it was sampled. I, I don't think the two are related. I just think it was at, towards the end of its life mm. because the sampling is pretty... Um, non-intrusive. But you can see that kind of whitish, powdery you know, remains of the body. A once soaring saguaro that stood on the crest of Tumamak Hill, the giant now lays flat, like a deflated balloon. The once waxy green skin is gone, and nothing is left but the skeletal remains, its woody ribs bleached by the sun. So this decomposed relatively fast, but for about the six months just after the fall, this turns into an oasis for insects especially. It's incredible, the decomposition. There's a whole set of fruit flies of um, Cactophilic drosophila that evolved specifically for the habitat that's created by fallen cacti. And speaking of an oasis, Saguaros provide a very important resource for Arizona's wildlife. Here's Tracy McCarthy, avian monitoring coordinator for Arizona Game and Fish. Yeah, I think probably every animal in some way that lives in the Sonoran Desert depends on the saguaro 
at least in some aspect of their, of their life cycle. the gilded flicker, gila woodpecker, house finches, western screech owl, an elf owl, an American kestrel, which is a little small falcon, a great horned owl, or a common raven. There's a desert species of purple martin, which is a kind of a swallow, red-tailed hawks, Harris's hawks, and crested caracaras. But you also see birds like that bald eagle that nested in that saguaro for the first time that we've recorded. The other couple of species that really depend on are not bird species, but mammal species. Two of our nectivorous bats, the lesser long-nosed bat and the Mexican long-tongued bat. But it also is hugely important to Sonoran Desert species for it, the, the flowers and the, the actual fruit that it produces. In fact, the fruit typically is ripe in like June or July, and it's the only water source often available to a lot of species in the desert before the monsoons start. So it's, you know, really important to a lot of species in the desert during that time frame. Humans have also relied heavily on the saguaro, not only as a rich resource of food and supplies, but as a timekeeper too. Native peoples have found numerous ways to take advantage of the short but rich bounty of the desert. Here's U of A's Ben Wilder again. The flowering and then the fruiting of the saguaro marks the uh, new year uh, and, the, and it defines the months in the summer uh, for the autumn. Yeah among many, many, many. Uh, so our knowledge of these plants is honestly quite shallow uh, and very shallow related to the Tanatam and other indigenous nations, um, especially on this landscape, who have interacted with these very plants through multiple generations of saguaros. Our understanding um, is just, just beginning and, and, and really pales in comparison to peoples that have lived here for so long. But saguaro experts like Ben say that Arizona's icon is under threat. Changes in weather patterns have caused rainfall to be unpredictable. Invasive species such as buffelgrass and stinknet have devoured habitat where baby saguaros grow. And these species also bring wildfires where they never once burned. Young babies is not there because they're overcrowded, overshaded, overcompeted by the grass. And then the, they can be killed when a fire comes through and then the grass returns and the cacti do not. Urban expansion is also threatening the saguaro's survival. As cities sprawl ever further into the desert, the habitat that the saguaro survives on shrinks. Combine that with the invasive grasses and you have a dire loss of saguaro land. And finally, drought. One would not think that these perfectly desert-adapted giants could suffer from less rain. But if more dry summers like 2020 happen, and the seasonal rains continue to be unpredictable, the saguaro's future will become uncertain. 
So these extreme droughts and the extreme heat temperature, like just the periods of 115 degrees for 20 days straight or, you know, August that have 105 degree temperatures or more, or very warm Octobers or, you know, really any period of time you have such extreme temperatures. There's just this kind of lingering question of where is the threshold? These species are arid adapted. They are resilient to the booms and busts of the desert, but what is too much? And that's an outstanding question and one that we're actively looking at here on, and, and pretty much all of the people you're speaking to in their own way are all studying that. And the Soro is actually an incredible model organism to understand just that. So to return to our initial question, why do saguaros only grow in the Sonoran Desert? It is because the Sonoran Desert is the only desert that has the right conditions for saguaros to survive, unlike the other major deserts in our country. Over thousands of years, the extreme climate of the Sonoran Desert allowed only the hardiest of cactus genes to endure. And their adaptation means the saguaro we know today has a toolbox of traits that make it a master of survival. And not only are they magnificent survivors, but they provide shelter, food, and resources for desert dwellers. And for those of us lucky enough to live in Arizona, they stand guard over our yards, hiking trails, and mountains. I had one more question for Ben before I left Tucson. Okay. Is there anything you want to add? Something I didn't ask and I should have? Oh man, <laughs> like you said, we could talk about this forever. Um, they're incredible plants. One of the things I've been, so been talking about swirls a lot recently, that's been great. The people are interested, they care about the swirls. They are the icon of, of our region. And I really feel that they have so much to teach us, uh, that we need to listen, observe, respect, and learn. But it's Andy Fisher from Saguaro National Park who really sums up the allure of the saguaro cactus. I think one of the things that I have learned living out west now for the last, you know, 25 years or so. No matter where you go in the American West, you can go into a gift store, you can go into a bookstore, you can just walk down the street of any major tourist town. You look in the windows and you're gonna see saguaro cactus everywhere. They are so iconic to the American West that even in places like Moab, Utah, where I've worked, you go into a gift shop, you see saguaro cactus. We're 500 miles from the nearest saguaro cactus in Moab, Utah. But it still is that representation of what the American West is. Um, and I love the fact that people are so attached to this iconic plant species. But if you want to see one, you got to come here. And not necessarily specifically to the Saguaro National Park, but we certainly have some here. But southern Arizona or points down in Mexico are the only places that this iconic American species live. Special thanks to all the experts who lent their voices to this piece. There is so much about saguaros that we couldn't fit in. But if you're curious to learn more, reach out to Saguaro National Park or the University of Arizona's Desert Lab on Tumamak Hill. Or better yet, go visit. It's the perfect time of year to go hiking. 
Spend some time walking in the desert. Stand next to a saguaro and listen as the wind whispers through its spines. Hear what stories the desert speaks. That was quite the journey. I never really thought about why saguaros only grow in the Sonoran Desert, but now I have a greater appreciation. And as Kaylee said, perhaps it's time to go hit the trails and spend some time in nature. Listeners, if you have more questions about the cacti in the valley, make sure to submit them to our team at valley101.azcentral.com. And if you're a regular listener of the show, please consider supporting it by subscribing to azcentral.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic. If you're a fan of Arizona politics, be sure to check out The Gaggle, our sister podcast that breaks down local issues and helps you keep up with the state's political news. And that's it for this episode. See you next week.